1: Well, to Rates and Barrels, it's Friday, February 26th. Derek Van Riper, Richie Roller Eno Saris here with you on this Friday. On this episode, we discuss whether or not it matters to be in the best shape of your life at the beginning of spring training. Of course, we're seeing all of the best shape of his life stories rolling in. This week uh, we have Spencer Torkelson joining the weird injury club. We'll talk about how he injured himself. Uh, we'll say goodbye to Kevin Mather. We will also take a look at a question about four man rotations from Oren kind of going back in time a little bit there. Also had a few follow ups. Uh, one suggesting that we have an original Ben Zobrist to talk about. So we'll get to that later on in this episode as well. Britt, how's it going for you on this Friday?
2: Oh, it's going well. It's going well. It's nice to see you guys. It's nice to for it uh to be Friday. This time next week, guys, I will be in Florida.
1: Mm. It's exciting. I will be jealous.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How's your Friday going so far, you know?
3: Oh, it's uh it's good. I was on a uh I was just thinking about this. Uh I may have mental problems. I was uh, on a podcast uh, last night, or yesterday afternoon, the Autobot, um, AutoNew podcast, and I slipped into announcer voice, which anybody listening to this knows I have uh, the old-timey announcer voice. And uh, I slipped into it uh, and back out of it, and then somebody on the podcast said, what was that voice? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) So... I just did it for a little bit without even thinking about it. So, uh, yeah, you guys have wrecked my brain, apparently. This what oh, I, what we've, we've wrecked your brain. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's stick with that. Let's clear the air real quick on this one. What do you think about when you take your dog for a walk?
4: Oh, yeah, right.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, usually I think about how many steps do I have because my husband and I try to hit 10,000 a day. Right now I'm uh-huh. sitting at just about 5K. And uh, I'm always like, all right, how many more, how many steps have we gone? How many more do we have left?
3: My first question was, "Is it forced calisthenics for the dog?" So, uh, you're answering that one right there. <laughs> you're like, "Dog, I need another thousand steps." <laughs> the dog's like, "No,
2: I want to go back in. It's
3: cold."
0: <laughs>
2: Pretty much, uh, our dog yeah. would uh, let would basically just sleep all day if you let him. Um, so yes, yeah. it's basically me yelling and dragging my dog around our <laughs> neighborhood.
3: <laughs> That's where it all started. <laughs>
1: All right, well, Uh, but you're not thinking about being Truman Showed, and you're not thinking about apocalypse survival techniques, so I feel like that's a (laughs) lot more normal normal than both of us. Yeah, Easily the most normal of the three of us. Uh, Yeah, Wednesday's episode, if you didn't catch the intro to that, uh, we got deep inside the mind of Enoceris. I'm not proud. Yeah. (laughs) Wasn't your best moment on the show, but um, (laughs) let's talk about the... Common refrain that we see on baseball Twitter and in baseball stories this time of year, best shape of his life. And I saw, I thought, the most impressive transformation, at least of this offseason, from one sale Garcia. And if I were to describe the typical sale Garcia body type, I would say it's that he's built kind of like an NFL tight end, like broad mm-hmm. shoulders, you know, pretty thick legs, looks like a guy that could play other sports linebacker. because he's like a linebacker, a tight end or a linebacker. Like he's he's a big guy, but he moves well and that's reflected in sprint speed. You know, you see pretty good power. Uh, it's kind of on a prorated basis because we don't often get full 150 plus game seasons from him, but he looks like a different person in the videos. First there was a tweet from Sophia Minert. Uh, she is on the, the on the field for the Brewers and it's interesting because I I didn't think Garcia at this stage of his career could completely change his body. You expect this from someone kind of in their earlier mid-20s. Garcia is like in that age 30 window where it's like you kind of feel like he is what he is. But 30 pounds from cutting out sugars and salts during the week, which, you know, it's just cutting out the excess sugar and the excess salt. Cutting out course. the good but, stuff cutting out the stuff that we all love but (laughs) this dude's pants don't look like they fit anymore like i mean like this is a big like he looks trim and I, i wondered like how many good examples do we have of players who have significantly transformed their bodies a lot of times this is just lost 10 pounds lost 15 pounds add a little bit of muscle right like lean guys get a little bigger big guys get a little leaner it's sort of the normal ebb and flow of getting ready for a season. But when does it move the needle for you? When do you guys see a player and say, whoa, this is actually different? Because Garcia was one of those rare examples for me where I said, this is interesting and I wonder how it might actually impact his performance probably in a positive way or possibly in a negative way. Because if power is one of your strengths and you lean up too much, you might lose some power. It's at least possible that you know you could lose a skill even though your body is healthier. Uh, what do you think about this, Britt? Have you seen legitimate transformations that have paid off in a big way over the time that you've covered teams?
2: Not that much. Um, if we're talking about this year, I think Vlad Guerrero Jr. deserves to be in, in the conversation, right? He gave up Aripas, which... Anyone who's ever had an Arepa, like, that's a tough thing to give up. Um, I, I kind of have thought about the list of guys who have transformed. And a lot of times, like you were saying, Derek, it actually doesn't help. Uh, Victor Robles added a lot of weight last year to add some power. And instead he got slow and fat. So now this year he has lost all that weight from what we can see. And they're hoping that he's gained back the foot speed and gained back, you know, some of the athleticism that he had. So I think. The drastic changes don't really stick. And there's a reason for that because in our society, how many people do you know who have lost drastic amounts of weight and kept it all off, right? The 10, 15 pounds are, you know, even five pounds are, are more in that realistic. Okay. I added some muscle. I lost some fat. This is going to help me without being significant. Um, I think sometimes guys can get too into wanting to add muscle, not realizing that every pound on your body, whether it's fat or muscle, is five pounds on your knees, right? So you really have to be careful with that. And there's a lot of guys that I've talked to who don't lift to get big and bulky or don't lift to add muscle until they're done with playing baseball. Because baseball players, you know, you look at guys like Bartolo Colon, like that's the absolute extreme, but baseball players don't need to be these like shredded guys. I think about David Lowe, who used to play. Was never really much of a player. Was in the ESPN body the mag, uh, body issue, talking about how he never had an injury. Well, that's great. He also never really played. So, like,
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: like which way do you want it? You know, so that's what I. I mean, that's what I have feel you seen like. Derek
3: Dietrich with his shirt off. Woo! <laughs> like, there's some
2: is Yes. Yeah. So there are there are some good I there's some good to come of it I think but for the most part these drastic things uh usually either one don't pan out uh or two just simply don't last right you see these guys kind of revert somewhere back into the middle because whatever they did in the off season 3 hours a day running and stuff just doesn't you don't have that time during the season off season training is totally different than in season training so you don't have yeah. the time to be lifting for three hours after a game, nor do you want to, because you won't have the recovery to play nine innings the next day.
3: Yeah, I have heard like pitchers, or you know, because pitchers in particular can't really do as much lifting during the season because there's just they have that that hyper schedule. But I think it actually maybe hitters too. I think I've heard of some people saying I want to put on weight at the big, you know, in the off season so that I can kind of lose it through the season. You know what I mean? Like yes. that I that I. You know, so that I'm in a better position to lose it through the season. I guess that's sort of like Survivor mentality. (laughs) But I, when I watch Survivor, it's actually not the guys uh, that come in, you know, big and hope to lose it over the time they're there that do the best athletically in Survivor. It's actually the guys who come in lean. You know, the guys who come in lean, I'm sorry, I, people don't know this about me. I watched Survivor for like 12 years. <laughs> Awful. but It's a weird little factoid. But anyway. I have no
1: idea. This is the second time in my life I've worked alongside someone who is a huge Survivor fan. And I didn't find <laughs> out until years later. The first time it happened, my co-worker left his job at Rotowire to go work on the Dream Team for Survivor. Eno probably knows what that is already. For those who don't know, the Dream Team is a group that actually tests out the games on Survivor mm. and tries to break them to make sure the contestants won't break the games when they play them on the show. So they get to go on location. They get to be part of the production team. And he's kind of worked his way up. I think he still works with the production company that makes Survivor. That's fun, Survivor, man. You're
3: traveling is, to like, crazy places, and you don't have to do the whole mental aspect of Survivor, and you don't actually have to sleep out there like they're doing. You're sleeping in a bed. like Yeah, yeah. he's seen
1: the whole world. So actually, yeah. it, was a, it was a great career choice uh, for him. So shout out to Zach if he's listening to this podcast. I mean, that's like one of the coolest jobs I know about. But I had no idea he even watched the show until he <laughs> came in like, to tell I'm us, leaving. Hey, guys, I'm leaving the company. I'm going to go work on Survivor. I'm like, that's
3: uh, great. That's awesome. But my point is that, like, I'd almost be... I think I'm almost into the I lost weight idea. Uh, You know, like, Eugenio Suarez lost uh, 30 pounds. Um, It was a repas and uh, beer. He gave up Beer giving
1: up beer or scaling back on beer
3: well i hope he didn't give it up completely but uh either way uh he lost some weight and i think that's good uh ben Lindbergh actually tried to look into this numbers wise he had a sample of about 200 best shape of his lifers um and he found almost no effect uh on the batting side on the batting side he found no effect what's that
1: what are you laughing at I'm laughing at this because there's no effect. Like it, it's such a it's such a demoralizing study on yeah. wellness. Well, <laughs> no, 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 like no, no. but it's part <laughs> of this like is by the way it's reported.
3: we yes. in like, the best day of their yeah. life, yeah. and it didn't
1: matter. <laughs> there's some self-reporting happening yes. here, and we're talking about people who've already sort of hit various athletic peaks in the first place. That. They, they may have just been staving off some decline, like there's there's any oh, number of oh, oh, things that could happen. Okay, so the, there was one little finding, which was they stayed on the field more. Yeah, that's something.
3: And the the Ugh. idea is that a lot of best shape of lipers are reacting to a, a season in which they were hurt.
2: I, can see, I do agree with that. Here's like the whole best shape of their life thing. It just seems like something everyone says in spring training to prove that they didn't just sit on the couch and eat <laughs> Pringles.
3: But yeah... <laughs> I want to see if Mike Moustakis said he was in the best shape of his life last year because he was very demonstrably not. (laughs) So
2: the whole premise is built on kind of a subjective thing. So good for Ben for investigating it. But the whole thing is kind of like, to me, just totally subjective, right? Like, I could say I'm in the best shape of my life this spring. I have virtually been the same size since high school, right? (laughs) So have I been in the best shape of my life every spring since high school? No, it's just like I'm around the same size. I've been working out. Like, I, I... I don't know. I could talk about this all day because, as you guys know, for people who don't know, um, I am an avid power lifter. I swam in college. Um, I am big into, like, injuries and uh, working out and this kind of thing. And you mentioned the pitcher you know, and it's interesting to me because a lot of pitchers have routines now because of the every fifth day. Like, Corey Kluber will lift weights. This is kind of unusual after he pitches because he mm-hmm. has found that he can't recover if he does it the next day. So, these guys are constantly operating on that like rest recover schedule, the starting pitchers. Whereas, if you're a position player playing every day, I know a lot of when guys do that just do go it? right, a lot of guys just like do the pump or they just do a little bit of like squats or legs afterwards. But um, really, it, it's more the pitchers who can stay on any kind of schedule. Like, we've heard about Max Scherzer and his grueling secret like running routine. Um, I think for. For players, it's less the lifting and more of that, like, the 0-60, to 60, the power. That That's what goes quickly. You can maintain strength for a long amount of time, but after, like, a week of not sprinting, you lose it. And baseball is a game of, like, quick twitch, right? You're quickly advancing from first to third. You're quickly running down the line. You're quickly chasing a ball in the outfield.
3: That speaks to, like, calf injuries being a big deal, I guess.
2: Right. So I think that that is the more important thing that they try to maintain, Uh, during the season you're not going to add 50 pounds to your back squat but it's fun to watch all those videos of guys like deadlifting right 500 600 pounds those guys are
3: doing ridiculous things again I mean, he's doing things that just look, like, ridiculous. But is he
2: also taking huge. questionable substances because he's not in MLB right now? Because guys right. always talk yeah. about that. Like, those, like, not not steroids per se, but, like, the, the Jack 3D or the stuff that's got, like, questionable – the pre-workout powders with questionable stuff that doesn't get by MLB. As soon mm-hmm. as guys get out of baseball, they're like, yeah, time to take the questionable pre-workout powders. Like, time to get yeah. huge. You know? So you kind of wonder. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there was a little bit of effect with pitchers, too. Like, there might have been something with pitchers being in the best shape of their life. So uh, it's interesting to think about their schedule and how being uh, in the best shape of your life might affect uh, your... You know, like Brandon McCarthy always told me that uh, he he couldn't gain weight. You know, he would only lose weight. So he tried a couple of times to come in a little bit bigger because he would just lose weight over the whole season. Yeah. And he thought it might be better to like come in a little bit heavier just to lose it. But um you know, I I, uh, I, I can't I can't imagine, you know, you do you you throw your hundred pitches, it's exhausting, you have your whole you do your game game day, and then you go back down and lift because you know, that's what your schedule says. That's Yeah, yeah I guess you sleep well that night.
1: Yeah. What else could you lift though if you're in, in Corey Kluber's position? You don't want to be sore or extremely tight going into a start you know so right. if your recovery window is a couple of days yeah getting it in after you pitch as difficult as that probably is that it's an unusual solution to a problem that I'm sure a lot of pitchers solve by saying I'm just not going to do those lifts in season and you know you lose something by not doing those lifts in season uh, but th- yeah this is just one of those topics that uh, it's interesting that there's no no significant impact. Uh, if you're like me, by the way, and you you heard about uh, a bus being cut out of a diet, uh, good news is AJ Puck's been eating them all because he was living with Jesus Lizardo. I saw that from Alex Coffee on Friday morning. So. Oh, is this a, is this a reverse best save of life
4: situation? <laughs>
1: He's living his best life. If you're, if you're eating those, like yeah. you're you're in a happy place. And I think AJ Puck's one of those guys that's really tall. So you know, adding a little mass is probably not the worst thing for him.
3: It, it makes me sad. It makes me sad that they had to give up all this stuff to eat. You know why? Because you're working out so much, like you're you're burning so much. Couldn't you just eat what you want during that time?
2: Are they though? Because like pitchers, yeah. But think about baseball as a whole. Think about outfielders. There's
3: a lot of sitting down. And a lot of standing.
2: <laughs> a lot of like not real like short bursts, like we talked about. Yeah. And just a yeah. lot of it's not soccer. Soccer players are eating as many arepas as they can, right? So yeah, because they're I, running I, I around know. all
3: day. They run like thirteen miles a game. You know that?
2: It's crazy. Like sw- soccer. Like rugby. Swimming. When I was swimming, I couldn't eat. Oh enough. my like, god! I mean, it, it's just insane. So. I think baseball, it's they really kind of do, so much. yeah, like, you kind of do have to watch it in baseball, especially as you get older, right? Like, Nelson Cruz is a great example. That guy works out like a maniac. He's in terrific shape. He's in his 40s. He's doing stuff, like, posting stuff on Instagram that, like, I, I'm just like, how? How is he even still doing these things at that age, you know? So I think baseball's a little different in terms of calories burned and preventative stuff. But what's funny is we mentioned there was no... Like, it didn't really matter. It doesn't make them any better. I'm always reminded of the Orioles, like, forever. They would always make fun of Wayne Kirby, who played for a long time in Cleveland, a a bunch of other places. He's now in San Diego as a coach. And he was always like, Well, I never got hurt. And they're like, Well, yeah, you can't strain fat. So, I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, um, that's uh, cold. <laughs> Donaldson, <me.
3: laughs> Donaldson did say on his uh, Zoom the other day that, like, baseball, there's so much sitting in baseball that, you know, that you have to kind of, uh, that he's like, I want to play every day. But there is some sort of, like, settling into baseball shape, which he, and, and he he's then said something about sitting. So it's like, like, sitting and not doing anything is part of baseball shape. <laughs> yeah, what?
2: Just like wearing cleats, the first week of spring training, guys would always complain about how bad their shins hurt because they had to get used to wearing cleats again. Because all winter long they don't wear cleats, which is yeah, another thing you don't realize, thing. right? Uh, yeah. You have to like build it up. Yeah,
1: that's totally real. I I, I played soccer through high school, and the first week of practice, I mean, you're overdoing it probably. Even if you were preparing for the season, like you're you're cutting and you're working on on pretty firm ground. It doesn't rain a lot here in the Midwest, so you're basically on. What feels like concrete in cleats and all that stopping and starting, your, your joints feel terrible. Your ankles, your shins. It takes at least a week to get kind of through that soreness, if not a little longer. It doesn't take six weeks. It doesn't take six though. No. Uh, so I think this is a six weeks a, 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 a veiled criticism of the length of spring <laughs> yes, training from Eno here, not even veiled.
2: <laughs> well, right. It's, it's about the money, right? It's about trying to broadcast yeah. the games, trying to because they don't play the,
3: the, they don't pay the players.
2: Yeah. They don't Which pay the don't players, yeah. and
3: they and they do take gate receipts.
1: They do. And uh, by the way, Britt, where can Nats fans watch uh, spring training games this season?
2: <laughs> Nowhere. So, <laughs> so they released the schedule yesterday, guys, that said it's going to be streaming on uh, their website, and there's going to be games on the radio. So far, the Orioles announced too that the same thing today. So far, the games start Monday, and their television network, Masson, has not announced if it's covering anything. How ridiculous is that?
1: Wow, very well done, very, very well done by Masson. Uh, (laughs) Shout out to them for all the hard work and effort to grow the sport for us.
2: Like it's like 1990 all over again. I'm gonna have to get like my transistor radio out while I walk my dog (laughs) to listen to a Nationals game.
1: (laughs) And then you'll start thinking about the development of the radio and the transformation of technology over time, like a very educated line of thinking instead of the dumb stuff that Eno and I think about when we walk our dogs All right, Spencer Torkelson has joined the Weird Injury Club, and when the story first broke on Thursday, it it referred to a fake can opener being the, the source of, of the injury for Torkelson. He had to have some stitches put into one of his fingers. Fortunately, no ligament damage or anything like that, and I thought, fake can opener? Did he buy something that was supposed to be a can opener on Amazon, and he didn't get an actual can opener? <laughs> Or was it a MacGyver situation? And He's trying to make a can opener? I'm so happy to learn that it wasn't the A scenario, which is just, you know, capitalism gone wrong. It was ingenuity gone wrong. It was Spencer Torkelson being in a situation where he didn't have a can opener in his home during spring training. And he tried to use the blade on the end of a wine corkscrew. The blade like folded as he was trying to open the can, cut his finger. Fortunately, he's okay. And... Nine times out of 10, these weird injuries seem like lies to cover up something else that is even more embarrassing. I don't think that was the case. Like, Torkelson was on Twitter, kind of making fun of himself about it. The story checks out in this case. So, while he's a member of the weird injury club, I feel like this is the actual truth. Do you believe this story, Britt?
2: I believe anything after the one time there was a pitcher who hit the DL because he went to a tanning bed. So, yes. <laughs>
1: That one.
2: <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> he got himself like so sunburned and like whatever that he felt uncomfortable even moving. Like who hasn't who hasn't accidentally forgotten to reapply their SPF? However, this guy went to a tanning bed, which to me makes it even better.
3: Oh um, my
2: god! And hit the oh. DL. Yeah, because he had <laughs> to miss the start. So yes, I think. There's no reason for Spencer Torkelson to lie. He's now going to get a ton of can openers as gifts. I think AJ Hinch made a comment, like maybe that's part of the development process. Um, you know, so it's kind of like a funny thing. Um, I think that the truth is, is often stranger than, than we imagine. And yes, I, I believe this story. Cause again, after the tanning room thing, how could it possibly get any weirder? It's the weirdest injury I've ever heard. Do you guys have any weird stories? I feel well, like, go ahead. You know, has
1: to have you gotta one. gotta have right?
2: one.
3: Or well, like how I've hurt myself.
1: Yeah, what's your weirdest injury story?
2: Well,
3: I was I was I, I was just looking through something. Uh, did you was was Hunter Strickland with the Nats? Uh, he when like he punched attached, the wall. No, there's another one. He attached um, one of his <gasps> yes! like yeah. cords. Yes! What did he do? What happened?
2: <laughs> this was just two years ago. This is 2019, and of course because. I'm a gym rat. I had to kind of explain it to the other reporters. So you guys know the bands they have at the gym for, like, yeah, stretching? Yeah, they have, like, the
3: the resistance bands.
2: Yes, the resistance bands. Not the tiny little guys, the bigger ones that you loop around, right? So he was looping one around uh-huh. to stretch his shoulder, doing, like, a classic shoulder opener. And he didn't realize that the barbell was right there. And so the barbell came off and hit him. Um, And so he had a pretty good, like, shiner for a while. <laughs> And nope, not that one. Even like a I like, not this this guy. no, no. Like um, you guys know that they're like longer. I actually have some in my gym bag. I would have brought it. They're like bungee. They're almost like people. bungee. They're, yeah, they're bungee. They're a little longer. Uh,
1: not this. Not if that. you're watching us on YouTube, not this. He's yeah. wrapping
2: it around and he's going down into like that nice classic shoulder opener, and instead the whole thing like came and hit him and like got him right oh. in the eye. And, uh, it was an yeah. interesting, um, uh, or maybe it was the nose. I don't remember. He had some, some kind I of like, I think he big broke bruise, his nose. Um, yeah, some kind of bruising action. And we were in Pittsburgh. And I remember the other reporters being like, this sounds so made up. I'm like, no, actually, it's a big fear of mine. And I have also. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, this can yeah. happen to you. I feel like somewhere along the way, there was like a nair incident in baseball too. Do you feel like this, Eno? I feel like I've heard something about some kind of nair injury too. Um, there's been some Nair. really like,
1: like the, the the shave gel stuff. Yeah, like, like the... the
2: hairless stuff. Yeah, I, I feel like Jason How Stark, do you we should have had Jason like, Stark get, it, get it on into today. an eye or something. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was something else that happened there. I mean, we know this is a sport where blisters can sideline you for like months, right? Which is again yeah. kind of like what babies, but again, you can't grip the ball. It's a big deal. Uh, but there's some really, really Weird injuries, and then there's the phantom made-up injuries that no one ever talks about. Yeah, right? like
3: Carlos Correa, man. Just, just admit it. Just admit it that you had some raucous, wild sex and broke your <gasps> and broke your rib. What? Just admit it. You don't remember this?
2: Wait. No, I need backstory. He got a
3: massage. He, he said he got a massage, and the massa- masseuse broke his rib, and and nobody believed him. And then he went on YouTube with his wife sitting next to him and was like, no, really, it was a massage. It's <laughs> just like, you're just making this, he, he pr- does protest too much. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, right. Leave the, if it's a lie, you just got to leave it out there and then just pretend like, yeah, it was a massage and then just move on with your life. You don't You don't right. call a press conference, get on YouTube, make you drag your wife out next to you. <laughs> like. Oh,
2: That's terrible. I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but everyone has embarrassing injury stories. I remember in spring training once I went to like jerk a bar over my head, um, which people probably don't really understand, but went to lift a bar quickly over my head, um, like you're doing like Olympic style lifting, hit my lip and my lip blew up. And like Buck, like days later, was like, "You're fine. People pay big money for that."
3: And he's like, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> "They pump collagen in there." <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like,
2: "My wife pays big money for that." I'm like, "I don't think your wife wants people knowing."
3: <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, don't make that joke.
2: <laughs> now we've outed her. I'm sorry. Uh,
3: no, I've definitely done the glasses thing. So like, uh, Quintana. Yeah,
1: Jose Quintana sliced his hand doing dishes. Yeah, I've done that. I've definitely
3: done that. That's not too weird to me. That's actually just sort of, I do a lot of the cooking and cleaning, so that's like, that's like occupational hazard. I I feel like the one thing is that I'm sometimes surprised that some of these guys who have so much money are actually doing any of the cleaning themselves. (laughs) (laughs) But like, what I've hurt myself a lot of times, it's been like totally obvious. Like, um, I broke a rib uh, jumping off a 65 foot cliff when I was like 12 years old. I don't know it's like yeah dude you you didn't know what you were doing and you hit the water pretty hard and I'm just <laughs> glad that I didn't drown because I couldn't move my arms or breathe and I was in water so that was that's more of a like catastrophic injury <laughs> or like a yeah. you deserved it kind
1: of
2: deal I don't know Wow I've n- <laughs> I've never knock on wood broken a bone Derek what do you got
1: No broken bones um uh, the most embarrassing injury I ever had. I was walking back from my internship in college and I had a, a laptop bag, like an over-the-shoulder laptop bag. So I'm walking down the sidewalk and the uneven sidewalk, which is like the most common thing in a cold weather place because the sidewalk pieces like shift, uh, got me. So I, I, I hit it and I kind of like started to stumble and I didn't fall from that. But the laptop bag swung outward and started spinning completely sideways like rotating oh as it God. came back into me and it hit me between the calves and just took me down <laughs> and this is just on campus right just walking down the sidewalk a guy that just can't walk down the sidewalk <laughs> probably look glorious falling on too. his face spinning bag <laughs> oh du- i mean it had to be hilarious <laughs> and I, I i kind of i did the thing where i got up kind of just dusted off the shoulder do that looked over my shoulder and like <laughs> anybody over there anybody over there and there was like a mail carrier i think i think the mail carrier saw me <laughs> so i i probably mumbled something <laughs> like whoa hey look out for that sidewalk and, and just went out with my life but man, it was brutal it, it was it was embarrassing i didn't get hurt that bad but probably my most uh, embarrassing thing that if if i had like broken my ankle or something, oh, that would have been man. a horrible story to have to retell.
3: Yeah, and, and there's something about the non-contact version. You know what I mean? Like, you know, at least in Britt's story, there was like a barbell involved and like some, you know. She was
1: exercising. Yeah, right. She was performing a feat of strength <laughs> yeah, when she was exactly, injured. I was yeah. walking down a sidewalk <laughs> after a four hour sedentary internship role.
3: I got, a, I got a high ankle sprain one time uh walking to get the ball that had gone out of bounds. <laughs> oh and, no, I did that. I did something like that too. And like everybody was like not looking because it was just like, oh Eno's gonna go get the ball. It was like in my weekly pickup game, right? And and then all of a sudden I'm screaming on the ground. <laughs> and they're all like,
1: What the hell happened, dude? <laughs> I'm like,
3: I'm out, I'm out. It was like a three week injury too. It sucked.
2: Oh,
1: I ran up to a ball that was rolling out of bounds at one of my soccer games. (laughs) Already out of play. I tried I tried to like without slowing down too much, I tried to kind of like run up to it and trap it with like a spin move, which was really stupid. I'm not good enough to do that (laughs) anyway. Rolled (laughs) over my foot, and my foot, if you're watching on YouTube, it went like toes under heel. It just like folded all the way. I'm amazed I didn't break anything. Missed a couple games after that, actually, too, which is like if you just run up to the ball and pick it up like a normal person, you're not you're not out. You're not going to miss games, dude. To this like,
3: day, I still don't know how I sprained my ankle. Unbelievable. I like walking over to get the ball. And I'm on the ground uh, screaming. I think that those uh, – I have broken a couple bones. Um, the small one in my finger. but Basketball has been a lot of the source of most of my injuries. And uh, uh like popped my head open as a kid. But uh, I think the, the thing that's been most painful in my life have been high ankle sprains. Those things really hurt.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love random injury stories. So, if you have any on Twitter, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Tag yeah, gotta me. got to
3: hear more. Yep. Tag I mean, me. is the like, Kendrick Morales hurting himself uh in the celebration, right? Oh, that yeah. one's horrible.
1: That's that's like that's like a like a tragic injury cuz it cost him a lot of time. I mean, yeah. that that almost cost him his career and that was just jumping on home plate, celebrating with teammates. That's the that's a terrible one. Uh, but, yeah, Sammy Sosa sneezing his way to the DL. I mean, like, I, I thought that was funny until I sneezed so hard that I actually <laughs> have, like, tweaked my back. And, like, <laughs> this is part of aging, I guess. So yeah. that one stopped being funny after I turned 30 and-, and pulled off that feat myself. But, yeah, hit us up on Twitter if <laughs> you've Bower got to. with uh, drone,
3: I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's a little bit more like the jumping off a cliff thing where it's like, you did that to yourself, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, what did you think was what going you to do? happen? What's going on
3: here? Yeah.
1: All right, let's talk about a few other interesting stories that unfolded over the past few days. We probably could have led with this story. Goodbye, Kevin Mather. Um, Kevin Mather, of course, is the former president of the Seattle Mariners, a long-time employee. He started there in 1996. This is something I did not know until this week. Uh, Team presidents are people that hold a lot of power in an organization, and they're people that you rarely hear about outside of the teams that you follow most closely, right? I mean, uh, it was not at the time in 2018, it was not a story that I was aware of that Kevin Mather was uh, in trouble for sexual harassment in the workplace, and there was a large settlement made with the victims of that harassment, and the Mariners kept him anyway. And it was Kevin Mather who, of course, was on a call with a Rotary Club where he said racist things and offended nearly everyone in the entire Mariners organization, which is less hyperbolic well, than you would think. It's actually, it's amazing. It's if you haven't tough. read the transcript or watched the video yet, Like it is incredible. It is one of the most unfiltered things a front office executive has ever said in front of a group of public people. And I don't think... There was no question. There were no there were no questions that prompted it. It was just like total stream of consciousness for this man to come out and say all these things to this group of people. I do have one question about it. I mean,
3: you know, it utterly just uh, terrible stuff about, you know, Julio Rodriguez not speaking English well, which uh, he does. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then like throwing uh, Hisashi Iwakuma under the bus, like one of the most popular players they've had. Also, again, about language. All this sort of like, come to my country, speak my language BS that like, you know, it's just, uh, you know, baseball is an international sport. There's so many languages that are spoken, you know, that just all that stupid. One thing that I think about, though, that's that just occurred to me, you talk about team president and power. Um, It's is he on the business side? because it's not uh, there is a little bit of a separation between the business side and and operations like there there is a chance that he doesn't actually
1: know what he's talking about you know what i mean like but he's on the email list right yeah. for for things for matters of like how player development and and things like service time manipulation happen like I mean, he clearly he's talking knew to what the plan was. He, know, he, yeah. he knows yeah.
3: he's in the office. He's in the virtual office, I guess at this point, but he's not on the call. He's not, he's not, he's not in the room when they make the decision about Jared Kalanish, if he's up or not. So like, I think he. Th- I think he did this to kind of up his game, like to make himself seem as more important than he is. Like, think about what's his motivation for t- speaking like this. It and I've seen it. It's like that. Like you, you're kind of a bar- part-time role player, but you're in baseball, and you're kind of like trying to prove that, like you know stuff, you know, and like you know. I, I actually think that he's probably on the business side, his stuff is probably his business, his, his actual role probably has more to do with, you know, what jerseys do we sell this year? And, you know, like park stuff and like how, you know, what sort of corporate uh, uh, sponsorship agreements are we going to make and stuff like that. I don't think that he is in the room when they decide who to trade or, you know, like team president is not in the room when you're deciding who to trade or who to call up.
2: No, but he knew enough, and he was also the team president. He wasn't some lower-level staffer trying to impress them like the part-time baseball player would be, right? Like, this is a guy who should have been fired years ago when they had the other issue with women. That issue, by the way, was, like, 10 years old. So the team was made aware of this. It just got, like, dragged out a little bit in in terms of court. So he should have been fired years ago, one. Two – my other issue with this is whenever something like this happens, how come we never, how come nobody ever takes accountability? It's like, oh, it's just this one bad apple, just the way this guy thinks. This guy's been in the organization for like 20 years, more than that. And we're supposed to believe he's the only one who felt that way? He admitted that they kept, uh, what's his name, Kellanick? Jared, um, down in in that they didn't promote him because he didn't accept their extension offer, right? So that now they're trying to manipulate service time. He admitted all these terrible things that, like we know, goes on. But he said the yeah. quiet part out loud. And to me, the most infuriating thing isn't that he was fired right away because he had to be fired because just some of the stuff he said that the you know the the owners have tried to say doesn't actually happen. Again, the quiet part out loud. But now the Mariners are like, well. He doesn't represent our views. Like, let's push him aside and alienate him as much as we can. There's mm. no way he was one bad apple. He was the team president. He had significant power. Like, come on.
3: Look at uh, some... And you can also just look at decisions they've made uh, as, as you know in the past. Evan White uh did not have that much playing time in the minors was not uh even highly as highly regarded as kellenish i would not i there was i don't think there was a ton of people out there uh banging down the door saying Evan White is ready for the major leagues but Evan white signs a twenty four million dollar deal and Evan white gets the job from day one right you know. Right. And they didn't even he didn't even perform that well and just you know it wasn't like he m- made them make him the first baseman <laughs> it was like oh well he signed the deal he's 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 cost controlled you know there's there's our first baseman so uh the proof is in the pudding on some on some of this stuff for sure uh and and the reaction from players was pretty swift uh you know I was on that Josh Donaldson call uh where he was talking about um you know just you know, being happy that he said it out loud because now it's just obvious that this is how they think. Um, And also, uh, you know, the idea that the best players, I think that's also a a PR win for the players. The idea that the best players in baseball are not in the big leagues, I think is something that no fan wants to hear, you know? No. Right. Um, And so that's got to be some point of leverage for players. You heard Garrett Cole talk about it too.
2: Do you guys think they blow up the way this is done, or at least try to, the arbitration stuff, because they're the only sport that does this.
1: It's so tricky because in most of these negotiations that I've followed as an adult, it always seems like the veteran players' needs come first. And baseball's problems impact the youngest players and the unrepresented players. The minor leaguers do not have representation in the union. And yet, how they're treated is effectively determined by the Players Association. That's messed up, right? Like Part of the reason minor leaguers get paid like garbage, they don't even have a seat at the table within their own union. That's part of the problem, too. I hope that they get this right. I think they can get it right fairly easily, but how they get it right is going to be the problem, right? Is it going to be... Shorter paths to free agency? Is it going to be increases to the minimum salary? Is it going to be immediate forays into arbitration instead of having uh, league minimum cost-controlled years for two to three years to begin a player's career? That's the stuff they're going to probably fight about when we get to next offseason. I'm cautiously optimistic. I I think having Kevin Mather say that quiet part out loud helps the player's case quite a bit. Uh, But I also... I don't want to expect too much because I will be disappointed in the outcome if I expect too much. (laughs) If I expect the players to be treated completely fairly, I will be almost certainly disappointed by how things eventually play out.
3: Check this out, man. This blew my mind. This blew my mind. Okay. Remember as I read this, this is ownership proposal dated June 14th, 1994. Ownership proposal. The proposal would guarantee... Uh, don't worry about that. Ownership proposal would ha- also have forced clubs to fit their payrolls into a more evenly based structure. Salary arbitration would have been eliminated. Free agency would begin after four years rather than six. And owners would have retained the right to keep a four or five year player by matching the best offer. That would have been good.
1: Oops. <laughs> that would have been great. Oops. Compared to what we have. Oops. Should have uh... took it
2: yikes
1: so that's so us. far away from what they've got right now yeah.
3: the problem was that was in the context of a cap and floor but I'm
2: all for the, the, the system the
3: they got was a de facto cap i mean what we have now is is being treated as a cap if you only have one or two teams that ever go over you know it's a it's at least a soft cap
2: yeah agreed.
1: the thing that I, aside from the comments themselves especially the just the absolutely discriminatory comments that kevin mather made the other thing that bothers me about this is that we're talking about an idiot executive instead of talking about the exciting players that are the subject of this right this is a team on the rise this is a group of players that we as fans and analysts are excited to see
3: i'm super excited about the young mariners man kirby gilbert Kalinich,
1: rodriguez we should be talking about them. That's what we would rather be talking about yet again. Yeah, and can't, here we are. Why's he, he on the rotary this. call saying, "Oh man, it's about to get good here." Why is it so hard to do that? I don't. I don't understand. That's the literally like the easiest thing to do. You have a exciting young team that's going to be a, full of he's, superstars. He's going
3: to be a slugger. He's he's got a really engaging personality. This is what you want your team president out here talking to the Rotary Club about. Get them excited, man. Gilbert Kirby's got five pitches, four pitches in <laughs> command. Gilbert's got a hammer. You know these yeah. guys are all coming up right now. We've done these things organizationally. Player development is doing this. Man, I could have done his job better than he did.
1: Your window to be a possible championship contender is about to open in Seattle. Guess what? That doesn't happen very often. So this should be the beginning of a really exciting phase and it still will be. Step 1 of a few other steps is to get rid of Kevin Mather. There's more work to be done there because you don't ascend to team president and be you're not on the field for every award presentation that the team has done for years if you're not a big part of the culture within the organization. It doesn't work like that. You know, you you're not out there because you're just posing for a picture. You're, you're there because the organization thinks that you're important, or you even are a big part of the organization. Uh, but yeah, Kelnick's going to be up soon. Sooner rather than later. He's betting on himself, as we, we learned in the call. Good for him. And He's going to be a very good player. I think he's going to be the kind of guy that makes an impact upon arrival. That's the type of of ceiling he brings.
3: One of the problems is we just had no minor league system, no no minor league games for a whole year. So all the the baseball executives around baseball have the built-in excuse of, well, he hasn't played and organized games for a year. So uh, even if like, you know, they'll spend some time talking about how ready Kellenich is, but they just want to see him play some organized ball for a little bit. Uh, And then he'll be magically up in in April or May or whatever it is, whatever day they have circled.
1: Yeah. So a a fun team for all the reasons that we're talking about. And uh, hopefully we'll see a lot of those players coming up to make an impact sooner rather than later.
4: The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've got a
1: great question here from Oren. Oren writes, Back in 1990, when Mike Harkey was a young cub, they went to a four-man rotation for a while. It was unusual even then, but was explained in a way that made sense. They claimed it would make pitchers more efficient. First, as all those old pitching coaches like George Bamberger used to say, the key to control is throwing the ball often. Second, knowing you'd be going again in four days would encourage you to throw strikes and get out of innings quickly instead of just trying to strike guys out. But now we're headed to six-man rotations, and we don't even expect a bunch of guys to go five innings in their starts. Never mind all the one-inning guys who can throw however many pitches per appearance. Do we know, and do numbers show... This is all making pitchers less efficient in terms of pitches thrown per batter, strike to ball ratio, etc. Interesting question here from Oren. Uh, Any general thoughts on on just the first part of this? I mean, like the idea of having to pitch more often does entice you to not overwork yourself, which is kind of a an old school funny thought that has really escaped modern thinking in baseball.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've seen that. Uh, basically pitchers are throwing an extra pitch or a uh, pitch plus per inning, um, just over the last, uh, 10 years or so, uh, as strikeouts have gone up, it may just be that there's, you know, it just, there is a relationship between strikeouts, balls in play and efficiency. There definitely is. It takes more pitches to strike a guy out than it does to get a ground ball, but ground balls turn into hits. And so, you know, that's we've 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 created this game where we've we've optimized for the strikeout and so we we're asking them to throw more pitches and that's why they don't go as deep into games and blah blah blah. I mean it's all it's all it's all together. I just don't think that you can goose it in the other direction just by doing the four-man rotation. You know what I mean? Like, I just... I think that you do the four-man rotation and all those guys in the four-man rotation would still want to strike guys out because they know they get paid in arbitration for the strikeout. They know that they get paid in free agency for the strikeout. They know that everybody's looking for the strikeout. So it, I don't think that just changing to a four-man rotation would, would be enough to... I think you'd have to change incentives in the game. Either change incentives in arbitration or do something to the ball... Or, uh, you know, do something to the rules of the game uh, to incentivize balls in play somehow.
2: I agree. And what I think, too, when you, as you said, they're not going to throw any, they're not going to throw slower. I think what you're going to see is guys throw four inning starts now in that four man rotation, right? Because they don't have the juice. They're losing the extra day of rest. I think what's going to happen is you see like what we see in the playoffs sometimes with those short little high energy starts and then you have the bullpen pick up the bulk of the game. So I don't think it actually really makes anything better at all.
3: It's really actually a really good point. You know what would happen on a roster if you had a four-man rotation? What would ha- Where would you use that extra roster slot? In the bullpen, right? Yeah. So you'd have another reliever. And so you'd have – I mean, it could be interesting to like do four guys who throw four innings, you know, and then you have two guys in the bullpen who throw two innings or three innings, right? And you kind of just like – you might be able to do something interesting there, but still, it would be about strikeouts. It wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't necessarily uh, be about efficiency. It would be about those guys. You have four guys who can throw four innings and throw max effort for those four innings every four days instead of you know what we have now. So, I I think uh, it is interesting to think about. I, but we're going the other direction. We're going to six man rotations. Uh, that's that's what we're doing, and we're gonna do we're gonna do the same thing. Uh, we're just going to give them more days of rest, ask them to throw as hard as possible and get all those strikeouts, and we're just going to yeah. do it with six people.
2: They're already doing that in Japan.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I would like to know, I guess we would probably get an unsatisfactory answer if we asked most major league teams this, just thinking about Alex Anthopoulos' comments. Uh, you know, this is how we do it. I forget what the what the yeah. question was, but we've talked about it on the show before. Where it's like, why do we do it this way? The innings increases. And so yeah. that's just kind of what we do. I would love to get explanations from teams in Japan too, and say, well, "Why do you why do you guys do it this way with with the six man rotation?" And I wonder if the answers would still be similar. Like that's just how we've always done it. You just you have six starters, because I think going to six starters here is a way of trying to let pitchers live closer to their max velocity over a full season, right? If we're finding that that's the thing that causes pitchers to break down, but it also makes them optimally effective. It's the counter adjustment to allow health within the framework of optimal efficiency in terms of stuff, right? If you can get that balanced right, that's great. But the other end of the spectrum, the, the Orin era pitchers like the Mike Harkey Cubs, I think of Greg Maddox. I mean, like the most efficient pitcher I can recall ever watching, mostly watching him as a kid. He did pitch into my early adulthood. But Pete Greg Maddox, when we were kids, was cruising through games with low pitch counts. I mean... Why are we not we trying a, to develop pitchers term, that way too? The Maddox.
3: It's like a complete yeah, the game Maddox with is a 85 thing. pitches or something.
1: But why are we not trying to make a, maybe maybe we're talking about an amazing outlier that's legitimately right. possible? Yeah, why aren't we trying to make more of
0: that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, why we trying to make more guys throw gas in the rotation? I think the right, Cubs that's are. <laughs> what I'm, that's what they're doing right now. But like that seems like that you could probably make pitchers more like Greg Maddox more easily than you can make guys that are more like, I don't know, let's say Noah Sindergaard, right? A guy that throws really hard. I mean, and has broken down. I like, I, injuries, I just think yeah. you're, yeah, I think you're, you're running a lot more risk of taking your best talent and breaking it, going the current direction, even with the six man rotation adjustment, than you are trying to figure out, Hey, like how do we make more Maddox's again? Maybe it's impossible. Maybe there was just an, an amazing talent there that we can't replicate. But in my mind, Finding people that do what Greg Maddox used to do, and developing people that could do what Greg Maddox used to do, seems easier than rolling more Noah Cinder off the developmental uh, assembly line.
3: Yeah, well, we'll have Sorry, to I was just
1: picturing a factory belt of Noah Cinder guards just,
3: just <laughs> shredded, one at a time, just rolling through, through drive
1: line. It's, a, it's a, like a long conveyor belt, like a moving walkway going into a drive line facility, <laughs> and it's like kind of tall, skinny blonde dudes and then they come out like jacked like noah (laughs) cinder throwing gas (laughs) terrible cartoon world that i live in
3: yeah i don't know i think japan is is a little bit of this is just how we've always done it but also uh you know japanese workloads in a given game are heavier right they i think they have a slightly different attitude about like the hundred pitches hundred pitches for us is one of those we don't know why but we just do 100, like 100 pitches nobody throws more than 100 pitches anymore we don't know why it's just
1: because it's the number it's the it's the, the, the second so it's the same dumb. reason if you if you bid $20 on a player in an auction and you're a little bit less likely to have someone bid 21 if you bid 18 <laughs> it's very likely someone goes 19 yeah. just because there's a there's a mental aspect the, to that the whole number
3: 1999 it, it, I, <laughs> yeah it's not $20 <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, maybe if they have those increased workloads, also, I kind of like it from a work life balance situation. I know I'm talking now as a reporter and not as a player, but, um, I think it would be kind of cool if baseball had a day off. If like everybody had a day off
1: every week. I think people would like that because for times when teams are home between series, they would actually have a day to spend with their families. Like, and I, And if you don't want
3: to make it Sunday, because Sunday, like there's a lot of money and people come to the park and stuff. I mean, Tuesdays at the ballpark, I have to tell you, man, I've never seen worse crowds than Tuesday nights. And what if you just said Tuesday is national baseball. It's like always we always have Tuesday off. And then you could always have you could have these like you could still do stuff, fun stuff in the media with the Tuesday day off. Right. Be like this week in baseball. Remember TWIB, whatever this week in baseball, that show. Like, you could have, like, weekly recap baseball shows on Tuesday that you kind of, as a producer or as a media content creator, you could be creating all week because you have this day that you know the day is off and, like, you know what I mean? Like, you could do fun things with the day off.
2: You guys, the original question was pitching on four days. And (laughs) And, Eno has turned this into giving himself a day off. (laughs) (laughs)
3: no also, no and the pictures and the pictures and, and the, when the this pictures.
2: conversation started <laughs> can, it was like the pictures
3: a day off was, This conversation
2: started because this guy wanted four man rotations like guys <laughs> he was doing more
3: and work. i said six man rotations <laughs> and give us all the day off <laughs> <laughs> You know,
2: for Kavish. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was just like, "What are we? Where are we talking about?"
3: <laughs> My tagline would be, "Everyone work less."
1: <laughs> He's got a strong, strong case. I think Monday should be the day off. Half the uh, yeah, best be pizza Monday. places in the world aren't even open on Mondays, just because everyone's got to rest someday. <laughs> Monday is a crap day. You don't go to eat on Monday. You don't go to baseball games on Monday. No fun. You hate going to work I on a Monday drink for, beer. for most people. I
3: eat broccoli.
2: I mean,
1: five miles. (laughs) It's cleanse day.
2: (laughs) If Derek can't get a pizza, damn it, no one can watch baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Can't
1: get a decent pizza on a Monday in this town, so might as well give up baseball that day too and do the crossword you know like what else am i gonna I do
2: our pens heads are falling off <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. laughs>
1: that now that's more that's more in line with eno's apocalypse scenario yeah, that's uh yeah. the, the lloyd christmas dumb and dumber <laughs> <laughs> uh, another great email here I, I gotta find the name on this one i copied the email not the person who sent it I was hoping for your take on a potential issue. Granted, camps are just starting, but with all the talks surrounding innings limits for pitchers and potential six-man rotations, I was wondering if minimum innings requirements need to be lowered. So in, in a lot of fantasy leagues, of course, you have a, a limit in this particular league. This is a, a 12-team-only league. They have a 900-inning minimum, which in the past wasn't an issue. Yeah, I think you could lower that, knock it down to like 800, because you're still not going to be able to take... Nine pitching spots in a typical fantasy league and jam in all relievers and get to 800 innings. You're still going to fall short, right? The whole point of that innings minimum is to make sure that people have a balance of, of starters and relievers. I think but you would lower it 900 slightly. 900
3: is not that hard to hit. So.
1: Yeah, so you don't have to go crazy with that. But
3: Even you in know. a season where we're like, like, how many 200 inning guys do you think we're going to see this year, Britt? Like,
1: two?
2: Yeah, I mean, we talked about this last week, right? Like, there's no way. I, t- I took the over
1: on three and yeah, a half, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: not very many. So, yeah, you have to scale it back. I mean, when we did that story, you know, everyone was basically like, yeah, you're going to have to. First off, everyone gave us, like, the collective shrug, like, we have no idea, we're just guessing. But also, right. it seemed like they're going to air more on the cautious side, because who wants to be the team that pushes their young pitchers and they're all hurt, right? Like,
3: Right. Then now, cool. Like
2: yeah, like now now you all not only wasted 2020, but oops, there goes 2021. Like, okay, now you're in big trouble.
3: <laughs> yeah, but I have like, uh, I have a, just an insight into like a one particular team. Uh, the Blue Jays have, I think, two really interesting arms in the back end. Hatch, Thomas Hatch, Julian Merriweather. Uh, you know, neither, neither of them have enough innings because they've either worked as relievers or there was no minor league season last year. Um, and they are on the outside looking in. They're sort of six and seven starters. Uh, but the plan is for Hatch to stretch out and maybe even make the rotation. Um, and maybe have like sort of 100 to 120 innings in him. Uh, And the plan is for uh, Merriweather to be more of a swing man, opener, long guy, and try to get him to 90 to 100 innings um, himself. And these are like two of their prized arms, you know, uh, uh, behind Nate Pearson. So um, there's going to be a lot of pitchers in that sort of 70 to 100 inning that are, you know, reliever slash starter, um, and it's going to be really hard to gauge their fantasy value, uh, use them correctly. Uh, So if you wanted to take some pressure off your league and drop that down to 850 or something, uh, just so that you could roster a Hatch or Merriweather, and um, he's not a reliever, you're not doing reliever streaming, but you're also... Uh, maybe not going to have a harder time to get to 900. I don't know. But I, in, my, in my history, I think 900 is fairly achievable.
1: Yeah, the, the pool does get more diluted if we have a lot of injuries. You'll still find innings to hit that limit, but the quality of those innings will go down. So if you do lower the threshold a little bit, you can you know, tinker a little more with roster construction. So I, I wouldn't go any lower than 800. I think that's easily low enough, and I think 900 is still reachable, as Eno said. Uh, other question that came in with that one, on another matter, wasn't Tony Phillips the original Ben Zobrist? I remember watching Tony Phillips when I was really young. I mean, if he was out of the league. Oh, 1999 was the last season that he played, so that was my freshman year of high school. And when I was growing up as a kid, I definitely had Tony Phillips baseball cards. But I don't think I really noticed his versatility. He's a good player. When you look back at his career low strikeout rates under 20%. I mean for that era like throughout the 80s and 90s strikeouts were down quite a bit compared to where they are now. But a high walk rate. Tony Phillips had a 14.5% walk rate for his career, 46 war. That's a lot. I mean it's a 17-year career. Not as much power as I remember as a kid, but later in his career he did have a 27 home run season with the Angels in 95. As far as that defensive versatility goes, had positive defensive value earlier in his career. Kind of just moved around a Played little bit short. and wasn't a good defender They're anymore.
3: had 101 games at short in 83, 91 the next day, yeah. next year. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I thought I thought of him as a second baseman outfielder. Isn't Tony Phillips also the guy that had the super, super open stance?
1: I thought he had more of a, Tony, like a squat.
3: Is that Tony, Fernand, Tony Fernandez, the guy who's super open, looking straight at the pitcher?
2: Here's why he wasn't the original Zobris, though. The reason that Zobris was so... Original, like we said, is the power. He didn't have the power numbers. Yeah. Right? The reason that Zobris was such a, like, wait a second, how's this guy? Is because he he hit, he had, like, the power hitter numbers, and he didn't have a position. He didn't have a role. Yeah, the game was different back then, right? There wasn't as much. We're now at a time where home runs are hit by the, you know, one to nine in, in the order, and they're in an increasing. Every year, it seems like the home run record is shattered. Um it, It's a good comparison, but it's certainly... Still doesn't stand alone is that like two thousand and nine Ben Zobrist Zorilla season.
1: Yeah, like there's no Tony Phillips season that gets close to it, but there is some some versatility. Remember the the number letter jumble I dropped on you guys uh, last week from baseball reference? Tony Phillips has a lot of that going on in yeah. the position column. There's a five four seven h six eight three nine D in there. That's crazy. Like for a guy that could actually hit a little bit, so I'll accept it as a, a very good comparison. I think someone else on Twitter threw Phillips our way, too, so I don't remember who that was offhand. But I kind of laid the groundwork for a player like Ben Zobrist to become Ben Zobrist and just didn't quite hit that same offensive ceiling. I do wonder, when you think back to players from the 80s and the way some of us were taught how to hit as kids, and I'm sure when Tony Phillips was coming up, he had plenty of coaches in his ear tell him, hit the ball on the ground and run, right? That's what so many coaches told hitters back then. If he was coached to hit the ball in the air more often when he was younger, I wonder if he could have put together a season more like Zobrist, if he could have been a 20-homer a guy on, on more than one occasion just because he got there. At age 36 for the first time, what a what an interesting career that Tony Phillips had. Definitely a great player that you know did a lot of things for a lot of teams over a long period of time. Thanks a lot for that question. we got a question from Laura. Can you give me tips for a baseball trip in the Dominican Republic, thinking about Santa Domingo in 2022? That sounds fantastic. Um, I've never been to the Dominican Republic, so I have nothing to offer on this question. Do either of you have any tips for Laura?
2: No, I hope she gives us tips, because I've never been there to watch baseball. (laughs) (laughs) So she's going to have to give us tips.
1: I texted a contact,
3: and I got... One word response, don't.
2: Oh, thanks. Uh, wow. See, I want to go, uh, but
3: I have not gotten a clarification on that, so uh,
2: yeah. So, kay. hopefully, she can give us tips. Email us after you go.
3: I, I was born in Jamaica, man. I love the islands down there. If I could do a ship where I went to Jamaica and saw baseball, I would do that in, in a second. So, I think it's gotta yeah. be fun. Maybe, uh, I think it's gotta be like a you know, go around the like. Uh, the World Series down there, like the the Winter League World Series, you know, do like a is yeah, a lot of fun it's January or something. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah keep I us would, posted if you're listening. Let us know. I want tips. I would do it if you've
1: if you've li- if you're listening to this show and you've been down to the Dominican Republic to watch baseball, let us know how the experience went. Yeah, we're got rates this and Barrels racks. at the athletic Yeah, try to help Laura out. Try to help everybody out. People want to go places as soon as we can start going places again. Uh, on the last I episode, list. I referred. Yeah, yeah, I've got a pretty good list going, too. Uh, last episode, we were talking about uh, player descriptions, uh, talking about Eno's terrible pelvis, and we got an email here. Uh, my favorite player description, Chris Bazio, good arm, bad body, dating myself here, your friend, <laughs> Gern Blanston. Yeah, that's a fair description uh, of Chris Bazio, I think, uh, at this point. Thank you for that email, Gern. Uh, we got to Brit's normal thoughts while dog walking, so I'm glad we covered that, which brings us to our final topic of this week. It is time for beer of the month. All right, you know, you can go first. What is your beer of the month selection for February?
3: Hmm. I had a really interesting beer the other night uh, called Down for My Day Ones, uh, and it was a wizened <laughs> IPA uh, from, uh, Pacifica Eagle rock and hen house, a three-way collaboration. And it was basically a Hefeweizen, but it was an IPA. And, um, one thing that made it just really interesting for me was that it like, it was a hazy and it was, it's, you know, sometimes people say hazies are kind of taste like Hefeweizens, And, and like, I was like, yes, but uh, there's this very distinct taste in Have a it's not in hazy IPAs, you know? <laughs> so, um, I liked it. And I also had this r- weird, uh, revelation while I was drinking it that like, while I bought it, I was like, I may hate this beer and very strange for someone to buy a beer that they <laughs> later might hate. So I was like questioning my own decision-making skills.
1: But it turned out you've that I liked had it. so many. Yeah, you just you've you've covered so many on the great beer bingo card that you're now moving into beers that you might not even like just to try
3: something. Yeah, new. I, th- I think that is it. <laughs> yeah, this looks weird. I guess I'll try one. <laughs> I love buying. By the way, it also is uh, awesome that you can buy single cans. That is my, I love, I'm in my beer place, I go to the single cans first, and I have to, something has to be elevated. Either I have to know it's great, I've had to had it before, it has to be elevated to four-can status. But one-can status, hell yeah, I'll try it. Brit? Wow.
2: Uh, yeah, so that's, like, hard to follow, because, you know, like, covers <laughs> beer for a living. It's um.
3: not as much anymore. <laughs>
2: Really though, it's like a ten minute spiel, and I just like was gonna just name a beer that I enjoyed.
3: Uh- <laughs> I'm I'm interested to see what kind of beer you enjoy. I have oh, been sending boxes to people. I sent you a box of beer at some point.
2: You okay? Well, to me, I need to as, know what you like. As it starts to get warmer, it's like sour beer season. I think like uh, more ah. of like a in the fall winter, it's more like cideries. You can have like
0: oh. heavier
2: like stouts if you wanted. I'm not a huge IBA person, but when we get into like, I do like when we get into the summer. Uh, you know, I do go, I do like Google. I know it's not as, like, uppity as all these other ones, but Summer Shandy is a big one in our house once mm. it gets warm. Uh, the sour beers, uh, I'm trying to think of the specific sour beer. Uh, there was this raspberry one that I had that was, like, top end, and I can't remember the name of it. Um, mm. We had it in Michigan last summer, um, or I guess two summers ago, right? Because nobody goes anywhere.
1: Yeah, right. It wasn't last The uh, Rubius, Rubeus, I I forget how you pronounce it, but Founders had a a, a fruity beer that was pretty big that people like quite a bit. That
2: might be it. Uh, Michigan's got such great. Like, if you guys haven't, yeah, you you guys are both like, yeah, we know Brittany. Mm -hmm. That's that's
1: a legitimately, like, well above average craft beer state.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, really, really good. Uh, Hopefully, we can get up there at some point this summer. That's definitely, like, an easy, fun trip. But, uh, yeah, let's go with the Founders one, then, because... It's delicious but yeah it is officially if you're going to send me something you know it's sour beer season because all the right sun is coming out sours practically, coming practically in march uh just I makes love me sours. feel like like summer is here just nice and refreshing you know
3: yeah yeah so yeah, not on the big fan yeah the one thing that uh, some sours they're they're like blending fruit into it or blending gummy worms into it and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. and, and so some sours are getting kind of uh thicker uh I, i'm i'm getting a sense if you like the summer shandies, you like a little bit on the crisper and lighter side
2: yeah some of them are too too sour like i'm not a sour patch kid like those people who yeah. like the sour the more sour the better i don't want to mm-hmm. like pucker my lips after every sip i just want that nice little hint of of sour to go with my still needs to be beer right i don't want to be drinking right. sour patch kids
3: yeah full tilt near you does the they they just like take skittles and throw it actually like blended into the, <laughs> the sour patch he's, and like all that stuff. They're
2: good people over there though. Uh, yeah. over at, they're, they're really nice people. Uh,
3: they are. Yeah. Big
2: baseball people. Oh, got
1: one, I got one they of those. are.
3: Yeah. They had me tour their uh, their facility before it opened. Uh, I was going to come back, but 2020 happened.
1: Yeah. The recommendation I have is one that I have not actually tried yet. It's one that I'm going to have this weekend. I'm going to drink this before the weather gets too warm because I agree with Britt. Seasonal beer approaches are are really important especially if you live in a terribly cold place (laughs) Uh, it's called hazelnut coffee and cakes it's another beer from hubbard's cave in illinois and yeah so we're gonna get like a a imperial maple coffee stout with a little bit of hazelnut in there and i I don't even really like a lot of flavors in my coffee i like pretty like straight up coffee with you know where the the beans kind of speak for themselves i don't want flavors added to them Uh, but i do think when I go for a flavored coffee anyway, it's hazelnut. So this one really spoke to me because I think maple stouts are delicious. Yeah. I think it's going to taste like breakfast in a bottle. It checks in at like 12 ABV. And
3: also good night in a bottle.
1: Good yeah. night in a bottle. It's <laughs> going to be a one and done beer yeah. for me probably on, on Saturday night, uh, you know, watching a movie or something. But I'm really looking forward to it. The other Hubbard's Cave stuff I've had has all been really good. I think this is the first stout I've That's that what I'm I've had saying. Like I've got a ton of IPAs A lot of hazies with them. them. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, everything else I've tried there has been good. Um, so I'm, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the scores on it are all fine, so I expect it to be absolutely delicious. So uh, let us know what you might be cracking open since it's Beer of the Month Day. You can hit us up on Twitter. He's at Eno Saris. She's Brit underscore Giroli. I am at Derek Van Riper. You can email us, barrels at theathletic.com. You can also sign up for a subscription. three ninety nine a month gets it done at theathletic.com slash ratesandbarrels plus If you're still listening to the show 75 minutes in, we'd really appreciate it if you took a minute to fill out our listener survey. It's for all the podcasts we do at The Athletic. We're just trying to make all of our shows as good as they can be and serve you the best way we possibly can. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes today as well. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday.
3: Thanks for listening.